We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode number 90. We're almost at episode 100. Scott, how's it going? Good, good. Ten more episodes and we get to that big, big century mark. I'm a little bit tired, I must say. <laughs> we went to, uh, we had the writers adding, obviously, yesterday, and uh, it was a long day. So, um, bucking up for this and, uh, and getting ready for it. And then we got the, you know, the Mariano game later today. So we're actually recording this on Sunday before the Yankee game. So as for you guys listening, you know, when we're, when we're speaking, we how are you feeling today? Well, we were debating whether or not we wanted to try and do this in person since we're obviously both in New York this weekend. But after yesterday, where I think it was what, 110 degree heat, in, heat index. I have no idea. Was it was sweating stupid. through their shirts by 1230 in the afternoon the beer was pouring out of my pores. It was a, a disgusting situation at Yankee Stadium yesterday. So I am gladly sitting in the air conditioning right now. Yeah, logistically, it would have been a pain in the ass for us to get together to do this in person. So I'm cool. I'm in my sister's basement right now <laughs> recording in her office. So the uh, the the funny thing is, is like you, you go and, and on days like that when it's so freaking hot and the sun is just crushing you. Like me, I, I burn easily, so I got to put sunscreen on. But that moment you put the sunscreen on, it's it's like the most disgusting feeling ever because it doesn't absorb, and it's just like a film of 
just like disgusting it, and then and then suntan lotion on top of it, and you're just a disgusting, greasy, horrible mess. Yeah, there, there's two horrible scenarios for suntan lotion, and it's at the beach when you're just rubbing sand into your skin. Yeah, that's and awful then, too. And then when you're outside at a baseball game or golfing or something, and you're just pouring sweat, and you're just you're just rubbing the sweat around. Yeah, it's it's bad, but <laughs> we we were able to uh, to to bear the elements. I know I took many trips up to the the Mohegan Sun deck just because there was at least a little bit of a breeze going up there and just walking around was uh, was was better than sitting down the entire time. So I think we all took took uh, shifts, you know, sitting in the in the seats and then moving around. We're going to get into everything. We were there for the entire celebration even though the Yankees organization said fans please be in the seats by 12 noon and what time did the ceremony start about 12:30? 1240. 12 so yeah. we had that extra 40 minutes of baking in the sun. Thank you very much, Yankees. <laughs> um, we're going to get into all that, obviously, the A-Rod stuff over the past week. Uh, before we do that, though, episode 90, I wanted to give some A-Rod stats out. So I found that his career OPS with the Yankees was an even 900. He did have better OPSs with Seattle and Texas, as you can imagine, since he was a younger player. And he had some of those down years with the Yankees towards the end here. But 12 seasons, 900 career OPS, 351 home runs. And a cool stat about A-Rod is that he's the only player in Major League history to have 150 home runs with three different teams. Which is pretty amazing when you think about the the level that you have to play in order to achieve 150. Especially that he did it with Texas in only three seasons. Yeah, those Texas years were ridiculous. I mean, the guy was just pouring stupid video game numbers out. So it well, is we know we, why. Well, we know exactly why. <laughs> but you, you break down the fact that he did do – he had 150 in that short amount of time. is pretty ridiculous. And he had 1,096 RBIs and 1,580 hits with the Yankees. More crazy numbers. Um, I also saw on Twitter somebody tweeting that not only are there some great stats to go with A-Rod's career, but he is fifth all-time – for strikeouts, 2,287. and That's I bel- surprising, actually, when I well, saw that. So it is surprising, but then you think about the type of hitter that A-Rod is. We've, we've mentioned all the time, he's a guess hitter. Right. Obviously, when he was 27 years old, he could guess and then still maybe foul off a breaking ball if he was guessing fastball. And he might not have struck out as much in his younger days, but as he progressed in, into his career, if he guessed wrong, he was screwed. He was going to strike out. Um, so yeah, 2,287, five players, or four players ahead of him, Sosa, Dunn, Tomey, and Reggie Jackson, all, all just big, all or nothing home run hitters. And then you got A-Rod who definitely was the best player out of any of those guys. But I guess once you play for so many years and there was a, a, a lot of times he would only miss one or two games in a season. So he was a durable player. He was playing a lot, usually batting third or fourth. So he was getting up a lot. I guess that's how you rack up the strikeouts. Yeah, and we're gonna see. I, I think these, uh, as long as longevity is a, is still a thing with baseball players moving forward, and people are you know staying in the game long enough, you're gonna see these the top five. I think start start shifting out because people are striking out so much more now. It seems like, and you know, it's so many so many guys are all or nothing. I feel like they're you know they're they're gonna be a lot of records <clears throat> set for strikeouts in in seasons coming well, up in the next we, ten years. We got a guy who's yeah. about six foot seven in right field wearing <laughs> number ninety nine. Yep. who is that type of player. And you right. know what? I don't care because what he did on Saturday was damn exciting. We're, oh, my God. It was, so, it was so much fun. And the other thing, well, the, you know, I, I see him. He's definitely worked on that, too, quite a bit. And you, you can tell that he's just from all the scouts and all the, uh, the coaches talking about him, he's definitely shortened up his swing quite a bit. And you see that batting average climbing up a little bit. So we'll see what he does in the majors. But he definitely showed some really good progress as far as getting on base and, and cutting down the strikeouts and, and you know, hitting for average as well in AAA. Yeah, we're obviously talking about Chase Headley. But isn't that who we're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about Aaron Judge, and we're going we're gonna to mention what we saw while we were there in person. But first, let's talk about all the A-Rod stuff. Uh, it was a circus this entire week. Of course, A-Rod, if you've been watching his 22-year career, you just knew it was going to be a circus towards the end. He was not going to go without any controversy like Mariano or Jeter did. I feel that a lot of the the circusness, I don't even think that's a word, a lot of the craziness was brought on by the Yankees organization. I think once the announcement happened last Sunday, he had four games left on the schedule. I think they could have played him those four games and it would have been fine. They could have 
justified that to fans. They could have justified that to themselves. And I think A-Rod would have been fine with it. And there would not have been the shitstorm that happened in the media, which was they sat him those first two games in Boston. And the entire uh, news surrounding the Yankees was, why isn't A-Rod playing? And I just think that it was clear that the Steinbrenners or or Cashman or a combo of both were telling Girardi, you're not going to play this guy these last four games. Because I honestly believe as much crap as Girardi gets, he's a player's manager. Right. He's not going to outright embarrass one of his players, especially somebody like A-Rod, who has been in the league for a long time. I think him and A-Rod have a very good relationship. I think that he would not have a job. I'm talking about Girardi. Would not have a, have a job if it weren't for Alex Rodriguez in 2009 carrying the team to a, to the championship. I think he would never go out and outright embarrass a player. That just does not seem like Girardi to me. Well, and I think a lot of it too was because he actually he put his foot in his mouth on during the press conference and I think that was one of the big problems is that when Girardi went out and said that hey, I'm going to play this guy as much as Alex wants to play and then and then you see him not in the lineup or you know not even coming in as a pinch hitter in situations in the in those first two games, then 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 that's also news because Girardi is backtracking from what he said, and then he literally backtracks for what he said, saying, "Oh, I got caught up in the emotion of that's uh, horrible. In the emotion of it, and you know, it was I didn't mean it. Oops. Do you realize? Can, I, can I take that back? That's honestly as ridiculous a statement as Terry Collins saying that for all he knew, Jay Bruce was fast. Do you remember that from last weekend when he didn't pinch run uh, for Jay Bruce? And obviously, Jay Bruce is a new player on the Mets. So he's like, right. yeah, well, he could be fast. I don't know. We, he's not my guy. We haven't seen him. Yeah, we, we haven't seen him. him. I don't know. what he, When I look at him, he looks <laughs> – I'm still confused. Even though there's technology nowadays that probably tells stat cast information on every player's speed around you know first to third in Major League Baseball. You think Terry player. Collins is using technology to evaluate anybody? But, Come but on really now. the bottom He's an old-school baseball guy. It's a ridiculous statement for Terry Collins to make, and he got killed for it. And to be honest, that was a ridiculous comment for Joe Girardi to make. I got caught up in the emotions. So you're telling me that they went into that Sunday press conference and did not have a plan for A-Rod's last four games? That seems ridiculous to me. Well, I don't I actually don't I don't think they did because no, I think I think, I think they that, did. I don't think Girardi did. Okay. Well, that's the thing. Steinbrenner and Cashman had a plan. They just didn't tell Girardi about it. It seems like Girardi was out of the loop on a lot of the plans until they were actually set in motion. That's that's what it sounded like. At least Girardi, that's the way it kind of came across when I when I heard him talking. But you know, he wanted nothing to do with that. In all honesty, like it was a very uncomfortable situation for him. You could tell all over his face how uncomfortable it was. I mean, look at the guy's press conference afterwards. I mean, that he was bawling because of how badly he felt about the whole situation and how the media was taking him. People were booing Girardi and and there was just it was a it was an outcry against Girardi and he's like, wait, but 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 you know, and and it was it went all on him. And it's uh it's unfortunate well, the way it went the down, life I of think. A baseball manager. Yeah. It, that's the territory. But that's the thing, like he doesn't want he wants to be a baseball manager. He doesn't want to deal with that crap. Like this but, is the okay, last so, thing a guy wants to deal with is this off the field that. nonsense. Because he said this week, it's not in my job description to manage fel- uh, farewell tours. Even though he managed Mariano and Jeter's farewell tours pretty heavily in those two seasons again we had this conversation yesterday and i and i actually was in the car for a long time on uh, on friday and i called into xm radio so if anybody listens to xm radio and they hear scott from new york talking about this that was me because it was i was getting so angry and i had to sit on hold for like an hour i didn't care i was driving so i was sitting on hold waiting and i'm sure like, your wife loved that it, yeah well we, we were on we actually had to take separate cars so oh, okay she i was alone but um yeah, I went on a rant about this. The fact that, that I, it was driving me nuts how people are comparing the fact that, uh, you know, how Girardi handled Alex Rodriguez's last moments with Jeter or Mariano's last moments. Because they're, they're, they're not even remotely in the same ballpark of scenarios. First of all, you have Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera who have earned the, the type of clout with an organization. They've won, you know, multiple, multiple championships, obviously. They have historic careers. They've both done things the right way, always have, have acted, you know, as, as gentlemen and, and the right way. And, and then you have 
Alex Rodriguez, who is, you know, I, we all know the story. I don't need to go into the entire thing with him, but he is who he is. And the fact that the, the, the baseball situation was extremely different because when Jeter and Mariano were leaving, first of all, there was no heir apparent behind Jeter. Eduardo Nunez was not the next shortstop. He had a million opportunities, did not take advantage of it. So there was nobody. He wasn't blocking anybody's, anybody's path. He wasn't taking away at bats at that point. But when you look at A-Rod and the situation now, it's very clear what the, where, where the direction of the team is going and that he actually is you know, taking at-bats away from people and, and keeping people off of the roster. So it's an extremely different situation. And I, I just think Girardi was in such a tough spot. So I don't, I don't really – I can't even like, look at the two as remotely close to even being a, you know, a similar situation. It's apples to oranges to me. I think that's a good point. But we're not asking Girardi to play A-Rod for the next month and a half. It was four games, 16 at-bats, and in one of those games, a left-handed pitcher was starting. So I really think that the all the joke was this whole week was, quote, trying to win ball games, and the Yankees right. are still trying to win ball games, and people were mocking them for that because right. they sold their best players at the trade deadline. Thus, you'd think they're no longer trying to win ball games. They're trying to plan for the future and just get the season over with. So Unless you listen to cares? me and then you're just trying to make yourself better. <laughs> who cares if A-Rod plays four more games? You're not really in this play- playoff race anyway. I know the standings may say something otherwise, but it's 16 at-bats is what we're really talking about. I don't think that is the same thing as playing Derek Jeter every day for the 2014 season. Well, the funny thing is, the very ironic thing, I guess, when everybody's making fun of that we're just trying to win ball games, the Yankees went five and one since they, they are actually winning ball games, and Girardi won ball games with 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 the entire circus going on. So, I guess I guess he was doing the right thing, apparently. Two and zero with a Rod in the lineup, though. Yeah, and I mean, look look at the guy that started as soon as basically since the announcement of of a Rod in this whole situation. You know, Aaron Hicks started to become a legit baseball player. Did that happen last week? Because it, no, no, no. it started is, to. This is it's classic to. Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks. Every time there's rumors of younger guys taking his place, he get, has a nice four or five grams stretch, and then he'll go 0 for his next 14. Yeah, and who gets screwed? Rob Snyder. <laughs> so I, I just think, as we were saying, the whole thing with A-Rod was a complete shit show. There was obviously talks with Steinbrenner and A-Rod, and they said, we don't want you here for the rest of the season. But do you think it would have been really that bad of a scenario if they just said, we're going to play you one or two times a week, you're going to get some pinch hitting opportunities, if you hit, we'll play you more, we're going to just make it until rosters expand, and then we don't have to talk about you taking up a roster spot because rosters are expanding for September 1st. I don't think that would have been really that outside the realm of possibility to handle this A-Rod situation. And I actually think it would have been less embarrassing for A-Rod. But here's the problem with that. The, the problem is, is this is still a baseball team that is actually playing baseball in, in the middle of a season. And at that time was, what, three and a half, four, four games out of the wild card. Okay, we, all, we, we know what the team what it has been for before the trade deadline. But at this point right now, when, when they're at an opportunity in, within striking distance still, Girardi's still got to do his job. These guys still have to do their job by trying to win ballgames and trying to make it to the postseason. As much as we, you know, as the fans look on it and say, you know, that's not a scenario, that's still their job every single day. And the fact of the matter is there are better players or there were better players in AAA that could help the team now, right now, while they're still in the thick of things. And if they were to wait three weeks, you know, the Yankees very well may have been out of it, and you're not pulling guys up that, that need the at-bats that could actually help the team. It's not, all, it's not only about rebuilding. I understand that it's about rebuilding, and that's absolutely the baseline. But the fact of the matter is, you bring Aaron Judge up, you bring a guy like Tyler, Tyler Austin up, he's going to help the team now, too. He's going to put up better at-bats than A-Rod and put up better at-bats than, than Mark Teixeira even at first base with Austin. I don't know. I, just, I, I feel like this is a situation now where they're still in striking distance, and they actually do have significant guys that can help that's great and um and a-rod's off the team they released him on friday night and they brought up aaron judge and tyler austin for saturday morning it was like christmas morning when you and i were on our way to the stadium seeing that both of those guys were in the lineup but i'm talking about for the final four games of a-rod's career with the yankees you're telling me that they couldn't have played him instead of chase headley or instead of aaron hicks i think that could have been easily done or instead of the last four games yeah that's so fine. That's they could have done something. Is the last four games. Play A-Rod for those last four games. And I think it would have been... You would have been 
doing a service to your fans as well. Fans wanted to see A-Rod for those last four games. They didn't want to see Aaron Hicks or Brian McCann get more at-bats. I don't know. It's it's just it's tough to say that to Girardi because he's doing what he thinks is right for the baseball he's team. And he's trying and he's not trying to get hooked up, you know, all in, in embracing this whole thing when in reality it was impossible not to. So maybe if he's looking back and saying, well, if I'm going to do this all over again to get caught in the circus, I would just play him. But then he's also looking back. He's like, well, I actually did go five and one during those games. So maybe I was doing the right thing. And nobody will, nobody will remember that. And everybody will just remember what happened on Friday night and, and then the, the shift into the new era. And now we're good. Friday so, night was classic A-Rod. They had they they pushed the game back a half hour so they could do a little ceremony for him before the game, and it looked like the apocalypse was coming. The <laughs> sky was pitch black. It was raining. The tarp was on the field, and it was just so poetic for the way A Rod's career would come to an end, isn't it? I mean, the funny thing is, is that it was supposed to rain all day long, and it waited until he was out on the 7:05 field. 7:05 p.m. Yeah, waited until he's out on the field receiving these these gifts, and I mean, even that was cut short because it started pouring on him, and he like ran into the dugout with his his uh, his family. So it was it was it was unbelievable. It was it was actually perfect, in my opinion. And do you was, remember a couple years ago for Jeter's last game, there was a fear that it was going to rain. And yeah, the game would be rained out, and it was the most picturesque, beautiful night in the Bronx. It was like seventy-five degrees <laughs> with with beautiful sunset skies for Jeter's last game. Yeah, and A Rod has what looks like the apocalypse is coming. It was hilarious. I tweeted out a picture of the two skies. Um, it was it was it was just perfect uh, juxtaposition between A Rod and Jeter. Uh, and, there were some funny things going on on Twitter about how all the 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 ghosts at Yankee Stadium and all the <laughs> all the you know the the great Yankees were just thundering and pouring down on them, like this disagreement. He handled it well though. He got a good laugh out of it. They sprinted back into the dugout after he got his jersey and what did he get a cake as well? No, it wasn't a cake. It looked like a cake. It was a base signed by the entire team. <laughs> it wasn't really. But, so but it was... looked like Steinbrenner. That's Steinbrenner's daughter, I think, that was bringing it out, right? She, she, it looked like she was bringing out a cake. I'm like, why the hell is she bringing out a cake? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Up on sugar before the game. Yeah. I really and, thought uh, it was a cake because I actually missed the first. I missed the ceremony because uh, it was well, four minutes It happened in the blink of an eye. Right, right. I got back. Uh, I put the TV on at about 7.10 and the ceremony was over. Yeah, no, it was a it was a base that was signed by the Yankees. Got team. it. Got yeah, it. but it absolutely looked like a cake. <laughs> As she was walking up, like, why the hell is this woman carrying a cake to him right now? Uh, he had an RBI double in his first at bat. I'm glad he got a hit and an RBI in his last game. It would have been really sad had he gone 0 for 4. He looked pretty bad at the plate, other than that first at bat. It's a good um, thing but, he got it out of the way in the beginning. But that's that's sort of been the way A-Rod's been going over the past month, is he'll have a flash of brilliance where he'll hit a home run or he'll have a double or he'll have a really good at-bat where he works a walk and you're saying, you know, maybe he's not done. But when you only play once every week, it's hard to be consistent. So I, I really can't blame him for the fact that he looked terrible at the plate. And the way it was shaping up was I know Stephen Wright got scratched on Thursday, but A-Rod was going to play for the first time in 10 days against a knuckleballer, which yeah. would have been really difficult situation for him. When you come off the bench cold, have not started a game since I believe it was July 30th, and at that point it was, what was it, August 9th, and they stick you in, here you go, Stephen Wright having a fantastic season who's just thrown junk up there. Well, it's really a double-edged sword for him, though, because if he's playing more consistently, then his body has the the higher percentage of breaking down, and he's taking bad at bats because he's not feeling well, right? He's tired, or he's his his bones are aching, or his muscles hurt because he's an old man. So you, there's it's it's a really difficult situation to try to manage that because you got to keep the guy relatively fresh, but then by doing that, he's not getting the at bats to you know get the timing, get his timing down, get the feel down, and so it's just it was an impossible situation almost for him to succeed. Don't you find it a little odd that the Yankees released a player who in their in his final two games batted cleanup in third? No, because – no, I don't. That's weird. I that's, guess. That's most likely never happened in the history of baseball. That's, I mean, that's a good point. It is when you when you look at where he was batting in the lineup. They're I guess. saying but he's just he was just there games. because he was there. The whole thing is Girardi saying we're trying to win ball games. We're putting the best lineup on the field, and then the next day you have the player who you refuse to play because he's not good enough batting fourth, and then batting third. It makes no sense. 
Look, this is this is why this this week was so ridiculous because people were just taking everything he was saying in you know as scripture and like and, and Girardi just I'm not taking the scripture. No, but just, Girardi just talked too much. That was the problem. Girardi just talked too much. He just needed to not talk so much because that's the reason all this got blown out of proportion. He should and he wasn't doing it on purpose. He was just you know he should have not said the things that he said. And, should have pulled a Marshawn Lynch. I'm just here yeah, so I don't get fined. Exactly. And all of this would have been just fine. No one would have had ammunition against Girardi and then spun it into all these different directions. And that that is why this this whole thing became you know more of 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 all, what was going on with Girardi and Arod and and less about you know what what was actually happening on the baseball field for baseball reasons. I was joking on Twitter on Friday night that the Yankees should announce every game as Arod's last game because the stadium was rocking. It was a packed house. The team was playing like it was game one of a playoff series. It was a lot of fun Friday night. Yeah, it 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 definitely looked like a good atmosphere. And then obviously on Saturday it was. I mean, it was hot as hell, but it was still a good atmosphere. It was fun. It was electric. There was a there was a buzz for sure because of the kids, and um, we can thank A Rod for that. So thank you, A Rod. I, I I really do appreciate you because you gave me Aaron Judge. <laughs> Friday night, A Rod uh, also played an out at third base in the ninth inning, and I, I think Girardi wanted to play him for two outs, but A Rod said he only wanted to play for one out because he was absolutely terrified of making an error. I can imagine. And I told you at the bar, this was my probably my, my most cynical moment as a as a fan. You know, I I was a little bit like part of me was rooting for him to boot a ball. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> easy easy four hopper to third yeah. base and have him just clank off his glove or airmail it. Yeah, a little part of me wanted that to happen. You're a son of a bitch, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's I something know. I would say. I know, I know. That's that's. I guess that's just my disdain for a rod and and just the. It would have been like, okay, here you go. Oh, that's a shame. It's it's kind of like you know the just all the mannerisms that put him into his own little category of his own little A Rod bubble. It would have been, been nice. It would have been classic A Rod going out like that. Yeah, he would have he would have laughed, but he would have been mortified. Yeah, it would have been like oh, the the Boston like when he, his comments about Boston when he was there in the crowd were just hysterical to me. It's such it's such an A Rod comment. Oh, the crowd was kind of dead, and then when I came up, they were very lively. I really appreciate them. Very lively. Like, it's just <laughs> it's shut up, dude. Chanting, just we want A Rod at Fenway. We yeah, just want so A-Rod at Fenway Park. That's unbelievable. Yeah. <clears throat> That's right. how he'll tell the story, yeah. Final final thing about A-Rod, and then we are literally turning the page just as the Yankees did. Yes. The big question, was that his final game as a professional baseball player? Yeah, I believe it is. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm with the thinking that he and Hal Steinbrenner have a handshake behind the scenes saying that, hey – we're going to release you. We're going to give you this opportunity to come back and help with the kids. And you're going to have a place in the Yankee organization in some capacity. And that is going to be contingent on you doing what you said you were going to do. And as far as an advisory role or what, you know, whatever they want to call it for next year with the kids, but this is going to be your last game. We're not going to call it a retirement because we're going to pay you next year and you can't call it a retirement because you wouldn't get the money, but we're going to unconditionally release you. And on this handshake, you're not playing next year. And I think that's what happened. Why would Hal Steinbrenner really care if A-Rod plays next year? It's not. It's I think it's because they're doing all this fanfare and they're doing all these things about him. A-Rod's last game. I mean, but you they, saw all the you merchandise out there. That, right. You can still do that and then have him sign with the Marlins or, or name your team next year. It kind of Mar- taints it. I think it kind of taints it. And it's obvious that he's not a player that can contribute on, on a – I don't think he's going to get signed purely because he's not a good baseball player anymore either. Well, I think a team would certainly – sign him for the fact that he's four away, four home runs away from 700. And if you're the Miami Marlins, you put A-Rod on that team, you're selling out instantly. Fine, but they, that's... They but have 20,000 people defense in the stands there. max. No, he doesn't play defense, but he could pinch hit. I guess. That's a tough situation. Again, that then you're in a situation like Girardi had, and you're you're wasting two spots when you when you pinch hit for him. But, but he, rosters expand. Rosters expand in September. Oh, so you're saying at the end of September this year? Yeah. Oh, I don't see that happening. I, I, I honestly think he wants to retire as a Yankee. I think that's I think it's important to him. He doesn't need the money. He knows he's not a great ball player anymore. Like, why is he going to come back and then suck on another uniform? It's just going to go down as a terrible. I think he really a, wants a terrible mark at the end of his runs. career. He really wants seven hundred home runs, which is kind of stupid when you think about it, because that number it means nothing. Now means nothing with all the it steroids. Means nothing. Stuff. That's why I don't think it's that big of a deal anymore. Well, because I think it doesn't mean big, anything. It's a big deal to him. If why if you were to get to if you were to get to Ruth that's something but why, just getting well, 700 no, I, I think because he'd be the fourth member of the 700 home run club but nobody would freaking acknowledge it 
That's the thing. Nobody I think these I honestly runs. think as we get further and further away from the steroid era, the more we're going to acknowledge the these but, players of this. But era. don't you don't you think A-Rod is the guy that cares about the that 700, but Alex Rodriguez is like, "Okay, I'm good now. I have grown oh, up." So now he's, now he's got a split personality thing going on? Yes, exactly. No, A-Rod is just the old. It's not split anymore. It's just it's A-Rod is like the uh, So A-Rod was the guy who kissed the mirror and yes. had the centaur photo and yes. and went shirtless in Central Park. Yes. But Alex Rodriguez is the guy who is mentoring young players and yes. had the eroticence and won the 2009 World Series. That's it, and gets cakes from Steinbrenner that look like bases. Yes, I, I smell like a Netflix original miniseries. Yeah, it's the Just it's the split the alter ego of A Rod. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the a good previous evil, like the a previous Spider-Man three a Spider Man three situation. So that's why I think that right now the most important thing to him is securing the relationship with the New York Yankees because honestly, let's look at this. If he were to go to another team right now, he's not going to make a lot of fans at that new team, right? Where are all of his fans right now? They're all in the Yankee organization. They're all Yankee fans, right? I think Nobody else likes A-Rod. Flart, Marlins are the one wild card team. I know it's National League. If it was an American League team, I'd say almost definitely he's going to say I would there. agree with that, but it is a National League but team. And that, he's that from Miami. He, went, he grew up in Miami. He's got roots there. I know he has some charitable organizations down there. He so, acts like he went to the – it was a hurricane. Right, right. right. No, but, but he, he has fans in Miami. I think that's legitimate. Okay, fine. That's I'll give you that, but the, but you can't dismiss the fact that it is a National League team, and there's too many baseball real realistic implications. And I haven't looked at the National League standings in a long time, but aren't the Marlins kind of in it still? Yeah, they're ahead of the they Mets. Still, yeah, they're, well, they're, they're right in the so, wild card. Race. So why are you going to bring that in to a team that's that's Veteran a very leadership. young team? Veteran re- leadership <laughs> with, with with Barry Bonds as the coach. I mean, Don Mattingly. Uh, oh come on! Call so you're going to put you're going to put Barry A-Rod, Bonds and A Rod on the same team now? Yeah, that's come oh on. my god, that's a Balco I didn't even dream. Think, I didn't even think about that until just now. I'm like, there's no way this can happen. Balco so, no. instantly open up a plant in South Beach. So, th- so this is another scenario why Arod won't do it. He won't do it because it's just going to bring bad PR back to him. It's going to talk about. It's going to bring back the steroid conversation because he's going to be back there with Bonds. I think it's if, a, it's a PR nightmare if, again. If Arod is more worried about his stats and 700, he will sign again. But if he's, he's not. more worried about. Going out on a high note with the Yankees organization, yes. then he won't sign elsewhere. I don't know what's more important to him at this point. I honestly think – I know everything he said in the media was that this was a great send-off for me. I'm so happy. He he put a smile on his face. He said he has a good relationship with the Steinbrenners. But I, I got to imagine he was a little bit embarrassed by how this last week turned out. The thing is, is that no, I don't think people are going to look back. I mean, when when history looks back at this, you know, a, a year later, a, a few months even later, we're going to forget a lot of the undertone, a lot of the conversations that happened with Girardi and him not playing. I, I don't think that's going to be part of the conversation. I think the part of the conversation is going to be that Arod, uh, you know, was unconditionally released. He had a ceremony at Yankee Stadium. He went off as a New York Yankee to a standing ovation from the crowd, and then the new era started. I don't think anybody's going to remember all this other crap. If you think about the way history remembers things, it doesn't remember the, you know, the the subtle conversations, the undertones of a lot of the situations. They remember the grand things that happen, and I think that's how it's going to be remembered in history. Yeah, August 12th, though, it's, it's a weird thing to see this happen in the middle of August. And the quote he had with Ken Rosenthal after the game, I don't know if you were watching the, the Yes or the Fox broadcast. I put the Fox broadcast on for postgame because I wanted to, because uh, I knew he was going to be interviewed with Rosenthal. And he asked him, or he said, you're leaving this team in the middle of a pennant race. And Alex just kind of, you could see his face drop. And he said, yeah, this is when it gets fun, but I'm going home. So I just felt bad. That's all. I just, I, I just, I just felt like he was sad, not happy. That's fine. Oh, poor Arod. Poor, poor billion dollar Arod. Go <laughs> sat on his yacht in his mansion. Hey, for and all whatever. the money he has in the bank, he is not. He's a tortured soul. Clearly, he's not. You know he's, I, when, not he's not a beloved person, and that's all he ever wanted in life was to be beloved. Too he much. Wanted to be to loved too much when he came to New York, and he just Absolutely. wasn't. So for yes, I know he's a, one of the best baseball players of all time, all the talent in the world, millions upon millions of dollars. But at the end of the day, I think he was unhappy a lot of times when he went to bed, which sucks. 
I, look, I agree with that because I think he was very hard on himself and he made a lot of bad, a lot of bad decisions. And I think he was listening to too many bad, too many people that were giving him bad advice. And you're right. He wanted to be beloved by everybody. That was his, I think that was one of the most important things for him was to be loved by, by the fans. And he just never got there. You know, he had it in Seattle for a little while. That's, that's where he had it. And then, you know, after the comeback, I think a lot of New York actually did take him onto that, but and that's why I think he's going to leave as a New York Yankee because he is in good graces right now with the Yankees organization, with the Yankees fans as a whole, and that's important to him. And I think you're making your own case for why he's going to leave because he, that is important to him. And I think today and tomorrow and the next day, he can finally rest a little bit more easy because he does have a, a good perception leaving at this point. He comes back and, and sucks and just goes back. It's going to be very obvious that he's only going back for the 400 uh, for the four home runs that don't matter to anybody, then I think there's going to be a lot of negative connotation. You go back to Miami that with Barry Bonds, more steroid talk. There's just going to be there's so many bad situations to me that can happen on a PR side that it's just not worth it. I don't think it's worth it to him at this point in his career. It's you know in his life really. So, a Rod, has been. He is a sad guy. It's a sad situation. I, I agree with that because of the potential. Yeah, A Rod's been talking the talk. Every interview he does, he said, "I made a million mistakes." I put these fans through a lot, and I'm just trying to redeem myself. Let's see if he walks the walk and actually goes out like this with, I think, like like you are saying, maybe his head will be held high when we think about it a year down the road. Yeah. Um, let's see if he walks the walk after he talks the talk. And as a as a direct comparison, if you want to be upset about A-Rod being sad and, and the press conference and all that, go watch Prince Fielder's press oh, conference. Yeah. That that was heartbreaking. That was sad because that's a guy who you know relatively in the prime of his career still. I'd say you know yeah, probably he was, towards the he end was of more it. of a, a singles hitter at this point. But towards the end, and I think a lot of that had to do with injury. But the neck, yeah, yeah. So the fact that this guy had to retire early, forced because of injury, um, that and and just the way that he was with his with his kids up at, at the uh, at the podium. And talking about how he's going to miss his teammates and the clubhouse. I mean, the guy's been in the clubhouse since he was a little kid with, with his dad. And, I mean, how apropos to end your career with the exact same amount of home runs as your father. I mean, that's crazy. Your father me. that you hate. Yeah. Are they still on, on bad terms? enemies. Yeah. The, uh, Cecil stole millions of dollars from Prince. Uh, I don't know the whole backstory. I don't remember. I remember hearing about it, but I don't remember. He, what it, so I, we can't. So if we see Cecil to, uh, on Monday night, we can't ask him about that? No, 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 no. I would not ask. I would not ask Cecil about that. Or maybe we do. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Cecil could kick our ass. <laughs> All right. So I'm sure it's not the last time we'll talk about A-Rod, but let's briefly turn the page. And we woke up Saturday morning. We were on our way to the dugout very early in the morning. And I see some vague tweets that Aaron Judge is getting called up, but the Yankees have not officially announced anything. And then the Yankees PR tweets out the lineup. And number 99, Aaron Judge, is batting eighth and starting right field. And I almost shit my pants. I was so happy. <laughs> because I believe you and I wishfully joked about a month ago that maybe Aaron Judge was make, would make his Major League debut on August 13th when we were at the stadium. And holy crap, it actually happened. I, I'm so happy we were there for that game. I will sit through that 110 degree heat every time because that was a very exciting debut for both Austin and Aaron Judge. Yeah, and yesterday when we you know we heard Tyler Austin was coming up, I was like, oh, that seals it. That's it. Judge is not going to be there, and I was I was disappointed, and I didn't even know because I wasn't checking my phone when I was on the way. I was at the bar. I was and and you guys got there, and and was telling me that uh, that Judge because I wasn't even looking at my phone, so I didn't even know it until you guys told me. I was very excited. That's awesome. So so this is what happened because Evaldi's injury on Thursday night kind of screwed up plans. I guess it was originally in the plan for Aaron Judge to be called up Saturday after A-Rod was released, but Cashman didn't announce anything because after Evaldi got hurt, the Yankees had to bring up more pitchers. They sent down Ref Snyder because they, they fried their bullpen on Thursday night. They used nine pitchers. So... Cashman was planning on keeping Judge in the minors for a few more days until the bullpen recovered. But Friday night, Brett Gardner got hit by a pitch on his foot. And I guess he's a little bruised, so they didn't want to start him on Saturday. So the Yankees had to make a last-minute call and needed an outfielder. And Aaron Judge was the call-up. So it's kind of funny how things worked out. Um, thank God Brett Gardner got hit on the foot, I guess. You know, it, if you just look at the whole situation and uh, the entire the entire – 
like all the elements around this weekend and what's going on with A-Rod's final game, sat, then him being off of the roster completely, and then Saturday, the celebration of the 1996 World, Series, World Series champions with all those guys coming back into town, being announced. It was awesome. It was cool to see all those guys back. And then, and then Aaron Judge, Tyler Austin come up and hit home runs in their major league debuts, in their major league first at-bats, back-to-back. Get out of here! First I mean, time in Major League history that that's ever happened. It's 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 such a clean ending and a clean new beginning for this franchise right now. It really is. It's it's unbelievable. You look back and twenty years to the day where the ninety ninety six team started a dynasty and they did it in the way that the Yankees are building their team now through the farm system and through a you know through a core group of of minor leaguers and then supplying you know pin, uh, filling in holes with Major League. Uh, with major league free agents and that's the way that they're going to be doing it in the next you know however long that's that's the plan right now and gene michael must have been like hey guys remember me hey what's what's going on remember what i did 20 years ago it worked really well maybe we should do that again and that's exactly what's going down right now and the funny thing is, is if you look back we have the on bronx pinstripes we have the uh the relive 1996 series that we've been doing from the second half rich kaufman's been putting up most of the articles uh, about uh, the recaps of every single game. And if you go back and you look at the, the game from yesterday, 20 years ago, the Yankees won 8-4. to four. And what happened yesterday? The Yankees won 8-4. to four. I'm just, There's just too many things paralleling. It's unbelievable. Like I, history is absolutely repeating itself right now, and it's on path to start the next great Yankee squad. And I'm so excited. So batting 6th, 7th, and 8th in the order on Saturday was Gary Sanchez, Tyler Austin, and Aaron Judge. It was awesome to see those three guys back-to-back, but let's talk about Austin and Judge's first Major League at-bats. Um, you and I were standing on the Mohegan Sun sports deck trying to get out of the sun uh, when Austin was at-bat, and you and I were just casually talking, and Austin hits the ball right down the right field line. It just hits the top of the wall and gets out. First Major League home run, and at that point, I'm, I'm extremely happy for Tyler Austin, but at the same time, I'm thinking, damn, He's going to show up Aaron Judge in his first game. No, everyone thought everyone was just looking forward to Aaron Judge and Ty- boom, Tyler Austin's going to steal the spotlight. So, you and I go to the very edge of the 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 railing at the Mohegan Sun Sports Bar. Aaron Judge is up. He had a good at bat. Few I don't know exactly what the count was, but he just hits this absolute missile right at us. And you can <laughs> hear it throughout the stadium. It was like a loud pop. Yeah, and you and I were each trying to video it. Neither of our videos ended up saving for whatever reason. Right. But I I found on the replay and I slowed down and I paused it and you can actually blurry, but you can see us jumping up and down and and throwing our arms in the air when Aaron Judge's home run is sailing over the center field fence. And you and I couldn't see it from our vantage point, but if you see on the side replay, that ball hit at the very top of the glass in center field. I thought well, it he hit smoked it. it. I thought it hit at the bottom. That thing was a line drive off the top of the glass in center field. Yeah. That is an absolute moon bomb. 446 feet, if it weren't for that pesky glass in center field, it would have gone more. <laughs> 108.8 exit velocity off the bat. Um, I mean, everything that you, you heard about this guy, he has unbelievable power. He's a massive human being, six foot seven, 270 pounds. He does not look like a baseball player. At one point in the game, you turned to me and you, go, and you said, why the hell is Aaron Judge playing baseball? Why didn't he play basketball or why isn't he a tight end? Because he looks like a fish out of water as far as body type on the baseball field. But his tools are all there. He made a great running catch in right field. He went first to third on a base hit during the game. Obviously, you saw him get another single and the absolute blast to center field. So... It's amazing to watch this guy because you just don't see somebody of that stature on the baseball field every day. Yeah, you'd think at some point like a coach would have been like, um, we're going to move you now. You're not going to be playing baseball so much anymore and, and would have you know, gotten him over to, uh, to start concentrating on football or basketball. More football than basketball because, I mean, six seven's tall, but basketball, there's, there's guys that big. But for, you know, I mean, he looks like a tight end. He does. He's, he's, he's just a, a it means giant The dude. size of Rob Gronkowski. <clears throat> Yeah, he's huge. So the, him playing baseball, it's it's pretty unbelievable that that was the sport that he excelled at the most, I guess. And that was the one he stuck with because it, it goes against everything when you look at him. And I, I, I'm sure you hear a lot of those stories with guys who are in the NFL right now who 
played baseball were probably pretty good, good athletes, but then just decided to start focusing on football for, you know, a lot of reasons, you know, to get into schools and things like that. So he's definitely a, uh, an interesting character when you think about that. And the fact that he's got that raw power, it's just unbelievable. And one of my favorite things that I'll, that I'll never forget was when he came back out into right field after he hit that home run and the bleachers, everybody out there, we were all going nuts for the dude. And you could just see like this, like little child grin on his face. And he did like a little fist bump, a, 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 a bump with his hand and his, and the mitt. And you could just tell how pumped up this dude was. Like he was like ridiculously excited and he was trying to hold it in, but, but he just couldn't. So it's just a lot of fun to see him succeed in, in the way he did. And then, then just kind of really take it all in. And he knows, I think he really gets it. And I think this next wave of guys get it on their position in the organization and with this franchise right now. I feel like these guys, and I've talked about this before, how they've all kind of come up together. A lot of them have played in AA and AAA together, and they're kind of the next wave. And you know, we have more guys that have been added to that with trades. But the majority of these guys have played together for a long time, for two, three years. And you see Sanchez coming up and working with some of the younger pitchers, too. It's just going to help. And I think these guys are going to be like, look, this is our time now. This is going to be our team. Let's roll with it. And I think they're embracing that. And I love it. I think it's so exciting. And to, to your point about these young guys embracing it and playing together, James Caprillion tweeted about both Austin and Judge's home runs. Clint Frazier tweeted about the home runs. So... It's just fun to see these guys supporting one another. And you could just tell, like you said, they all want to be on this roster together and they want yeah. to make the Yankees great again. And <laughs> <laughs> not to steal a line. But uh, it, it's just so great to see. And and the best part for me was that Brian Cashman's quote was, he's not in the big leagues to sit. He's here to play every day, talking about Aaron Judge. Yeah, so. amazing. So awesome. It really is. Just like the same, same sentiments, exact same type of line was said with Gary Sanchez. These guys are here to play. They're here to get at-bats. They're here to get some, some, some good work in in the major leagues so that next year, none of this is new, and these guys can just you know, hit a stride from the, from the very beginning. We also didn't talk about Gary Sanchez. We haven't had a chance to talk about his first home run at Fenway Park. Another yeah. absolute bomb to center bomb. field off yeah. the back wall at Fenway Park. So when you think of Judge and Sanchez's power... And if they, in, they're going to continue to develop, but that's power. That's that's elite power that we just saw out of Judge and and Gary Sanchez. So extremely, no doubt, extremely excited about those two guys. Well, yeah, and then you throw in a guy like like uh, Greg Bird with that swing to right field, and while he's not going to be probably three four, but he's he's. I mean, that's a great five six guy, right? That's could, a great but he might project to be more of a uh, an average doubles gap hitter. So he could certainly project to be a three hitter. Yeah, yeah, maybe. The thing is, is the Yankee Stadium, and it's it's absolutely he's perfect for it because while he doesn't have like tremendous power, the stadium is is perfect for his type of swing and his power. And you're going to definitely see a jump in you know in slugging percentage because of you know the home games and how he projects at the stadium. So it's really a great fit. And I mean, Aaron Judge just has power everywhere. So I, this dude is just a new level of excitement. <laughs> Can't wait. It's it's one of those things that. Uh, now I'm looking forward to every every Yankees game again. Yeah. And Just, I think that's the underlying theme for, for everybody, right? Like, everybody's excited for this. More so than the fact that they are actually in the wild card race because they went 5-1 and one over this last week. They took two out of three last weekend versus Cleveland, who's the best team in the American League. They took two out of three at Fenway Park against Boston. And they've at least taken two out of three against Tampa. We don't know what's going to happen on Sunday. But they're three and a half games out of the wild card. I still have a hard time saying they're in it because they have a lot of teams to jump over. Houston, Detroit, Boston, and Seattle are all ahead of them. And they play Boston seven more times and they play Seattle three more times, but they don't play Houston or Detroit again. So they can't, they don't have the head to head matchups versus those teams in order to beat them. Seven games against Boston could come in handy, but it's going to be really hard to go six and one in those games. And that's probably what it's going to take in order for them to overtake Boston. Uh, so I have a little bit hard time saying they're back in it at this point, but I don't even care because what we're watching, these young guys on the field, is more exciting to me than, than anything else. Well, but that's the thing, though. Because of the – I mean, I understand that there's, there's these teams in front of them, but these guys are – they're playing at a, with a different type of swagger at this point just because the new kids are up. I feel like there's, there's just that rejuvenation. And, you know, 
this is, I mean, this is exactly what I predicted. This is exactly what I predicted. I knew that these, these exuberance would come in and, and kind of light a fire. And I'm expecting, what I'm expecting, not only for the, these guys to, to come up, and they're going to struggle at times, no doubt, but I think that the veterans, like the guys like Ellsbury, the guys like Headley, um, even Didi and Castro, are going to be playing with a different type of emotion, I feel like, and just a different type of confidence that's going to make this team as a whole play a lot better and more consistent. Maybe they have and, to play for their jobs a little bit more. No, they absolutely have to. I mean, look at the farm system. It's stacked. And if it's not a job here, it's a job somewhere. So these guys have to produce. And this is, uh, it's, it's just an interesting dynamic of what's happening in the Yankees team right now. The, the biggest thing for me is if the pitching can hold up because they're battered right now. I mean, they're an injured pitching staff. And if they can go in and, and, and pitch to the point, I think the offense is going to be a hell of a lot better than, than we've seen all year, at least more consistent. Yeah, the pitching staff just lost to Valdi with the same injury issue that he had at the end of last year. That scares me because when it happens two years in a row and he had an MRI and they're being pretty vague um, on what the injury actually is, I kind of have a bad feeling about Tommy John surgery. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's it's on the horizon. And if it's not, the other thing that's, I would say, I would put it at like 85% on the horizon that he's going to the bullpen. I don't think he's going to be yeah. – if he continues to have this, he can't be a starting pitcher because you can only pitch half of a year. So right. what's the point of that? And he was a 200-inning guy when he was in Florida. Yeah. So, I mean, he may – that this may be a move where they're, they're, they're putting – you know, if, if, he, if they deem that his elbow cannot take this type of work or if it's been overworked in the past. Because he did have Tommy John surgery when he was in high school. And the fact that, you know, maybe his arm is not just – he can't handle being a starter anymore and putting these types of innings on there. This is a guy that that I think could absolutely uh, project into the bullpen and maybe even be more effective. I think he could be an effective guy with the, you know, with the type with of stuff that he has. Fastball, yeah. And but then you're you're running into a situation is who do they put in the starting rotation? Maybe they try and convert Warren back next year. I guess that's a problem yeah. down the road. Yeah, um, I don't go. I don't think of all these coming back this year. I think he's. I think they're going to shell. I mean, no matter what, even no, no, if, yeah, even if he doesn't get about, surgery. I'm talking about seventeen. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean they'll. Someone will come in. I don't know. We'll um, figure that out, I guess. Also, Severino was briefly sent down after his start in Boston, which was not very good. But he had to be called back up, obviously, because of all the... They need arms. They needed, yeah. they needed a, a starting pitcher. Severino had such a good relief appearance against the Mets two weeks ago. And then his start in Boston, he, ha- he was okay in the first couple innings. But again, that breaking ball. He could not throw his breaking ball... To get an out, it was either up in the zone or it was flat, and Red Sox hitters took advantage of it. Uh, um, Benintendi, who is already looking like he's going to be a Yankees killer, hit a, had a few hits off of him, almost a home run. I thought it was a home run, that whole controversy off the yellow line in center field. But it was really a discouraging thing to see Severino struggle that badly, but I was still pissed off the Yankees sent him down because I want them to work through his stuff in the major leagues. He has shown time and time again he can dominate AAA hitting. What good is it going to do him to go back down and face AAA hitting? He needs to figure it out at the major league level. We need to know if he can pitch in the 2017 rotation. And the best way to figure that out is to let him pitch for the next month and a half in the major leagues. Yeah, I mean, I want him with, you know, when he's working on this stuff too, I, I would prefer him to be with Larry Rothschild and not down in AAA. I would prefer, you know, have the major league coaches around him and, and trying to work on things. And I think the, the big pitch that they're, that Girardi was talking about, like he had the two pitches and if one, or if one of them doesn't work, then he's in trouble. So he needs that third pitch as a starting pitcher, especially when you get to the third time around with the rotation. And the changeup was the one that they were talking about where he really needs to start throwing that, needs to stay, get confidence in that, in that changeup and throw it down in the zone. Because when you have that, you go around the batting lineup for the third time, you need that third pitch, especially if one of your first two is not working to, you know, is not great that day. So I believe it was Cone on the broadcast talking about a lot of times young pitchers get scared to throw their changeup yeah. because they, they're afraid to leave it up in the zone. So they, they just don't even throw it. If the first couple, say he throws three in the first two innings and they're not good, He'll abandon it for the game. And Cone has said that's the worst thing a young pitcher can do is absolutely yeah. abandon a pitch. And I have to imagine the changeup is probably one of the harder pitches to get a really good feel for. Oh, yeah, just it's because a total it's a, feel pitch. Yeah, it's a it's it's not it's not the most natural way to, you know, because you gotta throw hold the ball so deep in the hand that it doesn't it's just it's a it's a tough one to uh to to feel and to locate, I think, if you're not comfortable with it. And I mean I could see how that would go down in the mentality of a young pitcher. 
but he's got to work through that. And he, I think he really does. That, that's going to be a crucial pitch for him to get that, to get control of it and to get really confident with that so that he does have that third pitch. And, you know, with the electric fastball that he has, that changeup just makes it so much more important that he throws that pitch because it's such a great playoff of each other. It really, really works well. Yeah. If he's pitching for Scranton, he doesn't need the changeup to be successful. Right. Right. So what good is it going to do him? He can get by with fastball slider for seven innings in AAA. He can't do that in the major leagues. Well, you got to believe, though, if he's in AAA, they're going to make him throw the changeup at that time. But even if so he's throwing he lousy changeups, they might not hit him. The, 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 there's a huge difference between dominating AAA hitters and, and facing major league hitters. But I know, but I don't think the Yankees are going to be looking as much at the results of who's hitting what. The fact that they're what they're going to be looking at is how the pitches are and where the pitches are and what the, the pitch is doing. I'm like, if a guy doesn't hit it well, or a guy was, does hit it, that's not going to mean much. He had good results in the last three months in Scranton. So yeah, I just don't know how much he was actually. To the hopefully, they're, you know, if, if I don't know if they were having him throw it at that point. Who knows? All right, before we wrap this episode up, let's get our thoughts. I want to get your thoughts on the '96 championship celebration. We kind of touched on it that it was an oven out there in the bleachers. They started it about a half hour late. The stands were maybe what? What do you figure? Sixty-five to seventy-five percent full. But yeah, I, I mean, if I you mean, look it's, anywhere it's outside the, the down, heat. it's the heat. Yeah, there were a lot of people there. They were in the. They were still up in the concourse, in the concourse and in the clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was cool. I had never. That's the first reunion ceremony thing I've ever been to. I'd never been to an old timers day or anything like that. So I was really excited about going because just to see all those guys. I mean, the '96 team is the team I grew up with. So obviously, it was awesome to see those guys back. I I don't know. What do you think the loudest ovations were? To me, they were obviously Jeter, Mariano, but I think Paul O'Neill got one of the loudest ovations. Yeah, I agree with that. I think O'Neill got a big one. I think Posadas wasn't as big just because he was the first guy to come out. So I think that you know the crowd was kind of getting into it. Well, because Posada uh, wasn't really well, he wasn't part a part of, of that the team. Really, team. He was no. on the September yeah. roster, but he didn't play down no. the stretch in '96. He really he had a few at bats. Yeah, there was not much. There. Right. So um, that wasn't really his championship, but they invited him back because obviously he's the core four. Right. Well, I mean, just I think the the crowd you you hit it on the head. I mean, Jeter was by far the biggest one. Everybody went bonkers for Jeter. Uh, Mariano was a big one, and then O'Neill I think was the third the third biggest one. I think Cone got a good ovation too. Because you see those guys still around. O'Neill's one of those players that I just feel like he gets more popular every year. Yeah, I think because he's pretty entertaining in the in the uh, broadcast on Yes Network. Right, and um. I think people, you know, anytime you see a highlight of O'Neal, he's always going crazy. I don't know if you watched after I got home last night. I was I was pretty jazzed up, so I watched some of the highlights, and they had Bernie in the booth uh, for an inning, and he was talking about how O'Neal was just so intense as a player, and he just like wished he would calm down half the time. And <laughs> O'Neal was talking about how Bernie was asleep half the time and didn't seem like he was fired up enough. So it was just funny the juxtaposition between those two guys. Um, but I think fans hear stories of Paul O'Neill and how intense he was, and it's hard not to love somebody who is not only intense, but also succeeds and wins. I mean, that's the ultimate combination. Well, yeah, and it's relatable, right? Because it's like a blue-collar type of a- type of uh, attitude with that. And uh, the fans, obviously, uh, that's that's the one when they can relate to the most. And he, he kind of seemed like that kind of guy. He felt like a, a blue-collar type guy who would go out and work his butt off and was super passionate about and cared, you know, probably more than anybody or at least that's what it looked like um and i think that fans definitely uh react to that well yeah there was a point in the ceremony though um when they started getting to some of the backup players and the bullpen guys where it was kind of a lull and everyone was just having heat stroke Um, but then they ended it with you know andy pettit and and david Cohn and and um obviously mariano rivera wasn't mariano the last one or no wetland Wetland was was the last one right Mm. um I really thought they were going to do something corny where they would like reenact the last out of the game or or have a horse trot on the field and have Wade Boggs trot <laughs> trot around the stadium. Um I thought I thought that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, but they I mean it was it was the introductions they all went out to their positions and then it, and then they uh that was it, really. There was. I thought there was going to be I thought some of them were going to talk. I thought but, at least one would talk. Um, I thought Jeter would talk. Yeah, or who do you think? I mean, uh, Jeter obviously, but who who do you think was the leader of that team? Maybe Cone or O'Neill. I'd say O'Neill was 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 definitely one of the bigger leaders, and then Cone Cone um, as well. Um, I just figured maybe one of those guys would have 
at least say 30 seconds to a minute worth of stuff. Just thank you to the fans. But Yeah, or Tino. Tino was definitely a big leader in that clubhouse. Right. Um, Bernie also said on the broadcast, I thought it was funny. He's like, thank, thank God I had the shortest walk to my position. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Bernie's packed on the pounds. <laughs> he's playing guitar, man. He's, he's relaxing. He's chilling. Um, he's sitting on a stool. So before we leave, we got we have that Steiner Sports event on Monday night. So definitely look out for some audio and possibly some video and some content that we'll be tweeting out. Oh, also if you if you want to watch the periscope of the the 1996 celebration, Scott, you you tweeted out from Bronx Pinstripes, right? Yeah, it's on there. It's on our periscope too. I, I, we pretty much had the, the uh, our phones on the entire time, so that yeah. whole thing is recorded. And Aaron Judge's first roll call is also yep, on our that Facebook was definitely page there. and on our Twitter page. So definitely check that out. But keep an eye out on the website for any content about that Steiner Sports event. We are, you know, possibly going to be speaking to some some of the '96 players. Um, I don't want to jinx anything, so I, I don't want to mention any names yet. But definitely looking forward to that. Scott, you have any last words? Future's here, baby. That's it. That's 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 what this is. And hopefully these guys can uh, can can light a spark and make a make a run. It'd be it'd be fun to watch. Definitely be fun to watch. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.